Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Ladies and gentlemen, we invite you to meet the press. Meet the press. Meet the press. Welcome to 1947, the Meet the Press podcast. Uh, as most most folks know, any chance I get to uh, find an excuse to do sports instead of politics, I'll do it. It's Super Bowl week. Um, people like to say when I'm at the conventions, oh, you must be covering your Super Bowl week, or if it's election day, oh, it's like your Super Bowl. Well, I want to talk to a guy who it is his Super Bowl, right? Mr. NFL Network. Uh, and then some, this is your Super Bowl week. That is correct, Chuck Todd. It is, but it's all of our Super Bowl week. You know, it's it's everybody's Super Bowl week. But this is actually, yes, you know, that phrase, this is like your Super Bowl. Well, this is actually the Super Bowl. This is it. And already here a week in advance, week before kickoff. I get here a week every uh, before every year. Um, back in the day, I used to be on the air for the NFL Network every single week. Um, now I'm just here early um, to do my daily TV radio show that you were kind enough to do in D.C. when we were right. there, uh, two days before uh, Inauguration Day. Or t- if you can bring your, dire- your show, your DirecTV sports show, to Inauguration Week, then why can't I bring you the press to support? Hey, look, this is a home-and-home. That's the way I'm looking yeah. at it right uh, now. All the actual true home and home would be if I was sitting with you on Meet the Press. But I mean, I don't know how what what I could well, add to that. Um, and plus, you you're really do I'm something you know, firing do away at all really, cylinders right now, Chuck. So I don't know if I want to be in your crosshairs these days. Well, if you do something really stupid like run for office, then you can come on. <laughs> um, so, I'm, what number of Super Bowl is this for you? Um, as a professional, as a professional covering football. The 14th, it's kind of an interesting full circle. The first ever NFL Network Super Bowl that we covered um, was Super Bowl uh, 38 between the Patriots and the Panthers in uh, a brand spanking new uh, home of the Houston Texans. I forget what the heck it was called then, but it wasn't NRG. Um, and it was Tom Brady versus Reliant. I say Reliant. Yes. Yeah, Reliant. That's right. That's right. Yeah. The old Reliant, uh, Tom Brady versus Jake DeLome um, in a Super Bowl that started really slow, set a record, I believe, for the fewest points scored in the first quarter. And then with five minutes to go in the first half, they exploded with several scores. Uh, And a lot of people forget that first half because the halftime was the famed wardrobe malfunction, which I believe... Um, was the clubhouse leader for most uh, impressive mangling of the English language to provide spin to something uh, until (laughs) alternative facts, I think, just replaced it in the clubhouse um, just a couple (laughs) weeks ago, Chuck. So congratulations to that. I appreciate the. Uh, I appreciate the. Yes, uh, and then the second half hit where once again third quarter was nothing, and then the fourth quarter was an explosion of points. And uh, Willie McGinnis, who now works with the NFL Network, was telling me um, because they put the, you know, they closed the roof, and it was one of the first times they ever closed that roof for such a big crowd like that for a big game that, that they were all, um, you know, kind of gasping for air. Uh, they were all using, like, oxygen on the sideline like oh, it was in, in Denver. Oh. 
so they ran. I old defense ran out of gas, and um, unfortunately for Carolina, uh, Brady got the ball last as usual, and um, and Vinatieri kicked the field goal, and that was our first one. We were 11 weeks old, and Robert McNair, the owner of the Texans, did the NFL Network a solid, uh, and he and then Commissioner Paul Tagliabue brought by our set that week. Uh, um, George H.W. Bush, Poppy Bush, came oh, by, and I interviewed him, and it was a really big moment for our network to have. Well, he wasn't a, a he was a literal sitting president, not a figurative one, or the other way around. I mean, he sat down with us, and we chatted with him while his son was, uh, you know, in the White House at the time, and it was a big moment for us. We were just eleven weeks old, and now here we are again. It's our fourteenth. Does it, there's a point, you know, there, I'll, I'll admit when I'm at the conventions now, there's a routine. And and I feel bad sometimes because people who it's their first one, they're so excited. And sometimes I I forget it and, and I literally, I'll kick myself in the tail saying, stop it. This is, you know, this is still a privilege. Have a, you know, yeah. enjoy it. Widen your eyes again. Do you, do you go through that sometimes, Super Bowl week? Um, it's, it's always, I'm... I'm always in the position of of pinching myself, you know. I'm 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 never going to lose that, you know, hitch in my throat because it's genuine. I'll be honest with you. A perfect example is just the other day, uh, Brent Musburger called into my show the day after he <laughs> let it be known he was going to leave play by play broadcasting by the end of the month, and man, I, I just said this to him at the end. I'm like, look, you know, the fact that I'm on a show like this, having the ability to chat with you at a momentous moment like this when I was growing up watching him and now I am a host of a Sunday morning NFL pregame show uh, that wouldn't have existed if it wasn't for him. The fact that I actually get a chance on behalf of all people who loved him and love him as a broadcaster to say thank you, you know. So here this week, uh, I'm going to be all over Super Bowl week, and it's you know a privilege. It really is. That's 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 fantastic. What do you um, when you when you have to do like tonight? Tonight, when I say this Monday night, we'll put this up pretty quickly. But there's the side show right now of Brady, Brady, the Brady's, the Brady Bunch, and all that stuff. Yeah. Do you, do you sit there and say, you know what? I know some fans are interested, oh, but gosh, you know, it's a father, it's a son. Like, I, I'm sure you have that. You must have some sort of where I really don't. I, part of me doesn't want to have to cover the story as a journalist, though, and people who are tuning in NFL Network, they expect it. They're torn on stuff like that. I'm not saying you're torn on this story specifically, but when you have something like that. What, what, like the Flategate, you mean, that, that story? Yeah, the, well, no, I'm talking about the Bradys and the thought. Yeah, all of it. Well, I mean, look, um, it, it's it, it's part of, part and parcel, you know. Uh, I, I don't know how you do it, man. <laughs> I'll be honest, because at least some of the stories that people are just sick and tired of hearing for 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 us are not, you know, life and death, which you're involved with. Um, right. We're we're in the toy department most of the time. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of real life stories that do come into the world of sports. And interestingly enough, you know, the world of sports is 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 a spot where, um, you know, in many ways, there's no alternative facts. I mean, let's be honest: when the team that has the most points on the board, 
on Sunday night when there's no time left is going to win and there's no argument over it. That person has the most points. You know, I, I so, certainly hope we don't like start like re- somehow uh, getting to the point where somebody. Well, it's it's not as if there's also another metric where say, Wait a minute, that lost that gets more points because because they they scored in a certain area. You know, <laughs> right. it's it's. It's uh, points or points, but anyway, my, my, the point is here is that um, you know it, it, the Super Bowl week always has too long of a wait, but that's for people like me who are in it right now. I mean, most I think sports fans will will surf in and out of it for uh, a couple of days, and then it's time. It's time to get ready. But by Thursday or Friday, all the players are talked out. I mean. The players have an availability tonight at the media night, which used to be Tuesday afternoons. The NFL moved it to a primetime spot a couple of years ago. Uh, Then the players will have off Tuesday, um, but sometimes a team will, you know, just continue to go through its routine and make the players available to meet the press on Tuesday. Wednesday they have a press availability, and then Thursday's their final one. And they're they're talked out. They're sick of it. Everybody's asked all the questions. Even people, who, members of the media, who come in later in the week, will have already gotten their question out. I mean, they're available, and they don't have anything to say anymore. I mean, there's nothing to say, um, which is why it's fine. I find it funny. Tonight's called Media Night. It's like every day is Media Day. Here. I was just going to say, I didn't know there was a night that wasn't devoted to the media. There is uh, now, yeah, a night. So, and it's crazy. It's like. Um, it's similar to, you know, at your convention where people are walking around with elephant hats on or donkey hats on or whatever. There's basically all you need is a, a, a clean record and a fingerprint and uh, practice photosynthesis and you get a press pass for tonight. And so <laughs> well, for my show, well, for the Rich that Dodgers show. Become, I mean, it's like our, the, the, media, the media is the more interesting circus sometimes than the players. Well, that is tonight. showing up, right? The players get a kick out of it sometimes. Sometimes they don't, yeah. because tonight, I mean, Brady will sit at his podium, and in I... the first five minutes, the question will come up about Roger Goodell, and then he's got him. It's he sits up there for an hour. So a half hour later, people, new people will cycle in and ask him the same question. And although he'll 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 have already answered it, but they weren't well, standing there when he when it was asked and answered. I assume. That's Monday night. But anyway, the reason why I'm mentioning all this is because I'm just trying to break up the monotony for my show. Uh, for the third straight year, I'm sending J.B. Smoove into the mix to be the specific correspondent for my show at Media Day. He's the Rich Eisen correspondent. He is the Rich the Eisen, Eisen show Eisen correspondent, yes. For uh, a third straight year, it's J.B. Smoove. And uh, on Thursday, for a second straight year, for the final actual press conference, like this is legit work that is, in fact, being done by my colleagues, and I understand that this might be viewed for at least, again, a second straight year as, you know, disrespecting the profession because they're trying to conduct work, but by Thursday, if you have not gotten your soundbite, it's on you. That's all I'm saying. So for a second straight so year, credentialing Snoop Dogg is sending mean? him into the final press conferences to ask questions on behalf of, of our show. Because, you know, I'm it's kind of like gotten, it's it's entertainment now, just as much as it is uh, information gathering at the Super Bowl, because of all the uh, media availabilities. That's how it's that's that's how it's morphed in the 14th. Let me ask you this: I've done. Uh, I, I forget what day this week that'll happen. If it's Friday or Saturday, Goodell will give the state of the 
State of the League address. I think it's, what is that, Friday? Well, this year they moved it. Usually it is on a Friday. The final press conferences for the coaches on a Friday. Um, and they come together and hold a press conference together. It used to be one at a time, but when the Harbaugh brothers were in the Super Bowl in New Orleans a few years ago, they did it together, and the league kind of got a kick out of it. So both coaches will probably do it together just to keep that new tradition going. And they put, it's funny, they put the Lombardi trophy in between them, and right. <laughs> neither of them touch it or look at it because it's bad. I guess it's considered bad karma. Um, but anyway, uh, usually the commissioner's press presser in State of the State goes down that same day, but they moved it up to Wednesday for the first time. I don't gotcha, know why, gotcha. but they did. So it's on Wednesday. I think they said it's to uh, make sure that the game is in the, the focus as opposed to the commissioner speaking on Friday. You know, I don't think he's. I don't think they're wrong on that. I have people that now work for the NFL uh, who used to work in my business including Joe Lockhart. Uh, now, yes. you have to get close to Joe Lockhart uh, instead of me. But, um, hey, look, there's, I, I, I'm sure he's going to say the state. It seems to me that the NFL is in a crossroads right now on the business side, on the even some of the fans' side. Obviously, they got the, the injury issues. But uh, this has been a tumultuous year for the league if you look under the hood. Even if you look from 30,000 feet, it still seems successful. Fair? Well, yeah, I'm sorry. What's your, what's your take? Well, I mean, uh, if you're referring to the ratings, um, the ratings took a dip for the first time since I've been involved with the NFL. And again, I mentioned this is my 14th Super Bowl. Uh, usually the ratings just go up, and they keep going up, and they keep going up. And this year, they went down. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of theories as to why. Um, politics definitely played a part. There's no question. Uh, ratings went up once the election was over. But the games that were on national TV um, were more compelling when the they got election was yeah. over. So we'll see if September and October of this year uh, ratings are equally stagnant uh, for the September and October games this year because uh, fans aren't as interested or they're turned off by a lot of uh, what you're saying, what, what, what you're alluding to, which is the NFL having a lot of headlines outside of the sports pages that have made a lot of people sick and tired of the, of the sport, whether it's Kaepernick taking a knee during the national right. anthem uh, or concussions, as you're bringing up. Uh, they believe that the NFL isn't nearly as serious uh, about it as it should be, or, or fans are just less interested, we'll find out. I mean, it's going to have to be a year-to-year thing. Um, the ratings definitely went up after the election was over. I've seen it from our own ratings with the NFL Network. The playoffs in particular, um, the Sunday window games on Fox, the Giants and Packers and your Packers versus the Cowboys were through the roof. Yeah. I mean, through the roof, and when they moved the the uh, Chiefs Steelers game to Sunday night of divisional weekend because of an ice storm in Kansas City, um, oh. our pregame I, I, show. I hate to be a cynic. Yeah, NBC was so. Oh, we'll happily move the game into prime time. Yeah, I know, really but Fox to wasn't too happy because Fox's numbers. You know, after the, the the Cowboys and Packers, I'm sure they wanted to just funnel it into their Sunday night programming, and a lot of people flipped over to NBC. So there's 
when one partner's happy, another one usually isn't. Yeah. And then the Steelers wound up pretty pissed off because they lost a day and a half on the Patriots. As you heard the coach say even right after the game, thanks to Antonio Brown's Facebook Live habit. So oh long story short, though, our pregame show in particular for the NFL Network uh, led directly up to kickoff of that Packers-Cowboys game. And our rating that day was by far our hugest in the history of our network by 30%. And that's because, you know, two very popular teams were playing for a huge game. And a lot of people tuned into a four-and-a-half-hour show to talk, to hear talk about it. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't even the game. So the interest level is still there. The question is, is how intense is it? And I don't think we'll find out until next year. By the way, I, I, it was it was interesting. I, I was I was impressed with how you guys killed time, and I'm like half kidding <laughs> because we were glued. We were glued, <laughs> and we were found ourselves going. You know, they're doing a pretty good job keeping us watching. I, and I mean, meaning, you know, look, anybody can get pre-gamed out, right? And and during that, and I remember thinking, you guys, you threw in some fun. You know, you threw in a couple. I think game show sticks or something yes. like that. And I thought that was smart because you sort of need to do something to, you need to add some sugar, it, you know, you know, a little bit of whatever, I don't know how you guys refer to it, but, you know, a little grace note, whatever it is, just to be able to smooth things out. Yeah, it's also, you know, uh, a testament to our producers to come up with stuff like that, that you're referring to, because it plays into just, uh, you know, us on the air and what we like to do and and it shows off our genuine like for each other. I mean, um, the guys I work with on Sunday morning, Kurt Warner, who I'd love to hear his name going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame this weekend. I think he beyond deserves it. He's one of the nicest guys you'll ever come across, but he's got a little bit of the red ass in him too. Like he loves to <laughs> he loves to poke fun at you, and he loves to have his fun at your expense every now and then. And he's such a sweet guy that when it happens, it's just like, wow, did I just get run over by the number 13 bus here? That's pretty interesting. Uh, Marshall Falk is one of my, my good friends uh, in the world. Uh, Irv was at my wedding. Michael Irvin was at my wedding because my wife, um, who's also in the uh, television sports business, she was on the air um, at Fox when we got married and knew Michael for then. And we ran into him in the streets in New York City and uh, two days before the wedding, and my wife invited him. And I'm like, Michael Irvin's not showing up to our wedding. And sure enough, <laughs> in an electric blue tuxedo, there was Michael Irvin towards the back of the room uh, to see Electric Blue Tuxedo with two days' notice, which means Correct. he has a closet of them. Yeah, there's all sorts of questions that come from that. Yes, Chuck. See, that's that's your innate ability to <laughs> drill down to the important question follow-ups. But yes, he had one with him in New York. Um, <laughs> oh, that's right. You have to be traveling with it as well. Yes, correct. Um, it's the traveling so blue. He was there, and then... Um, we, we, my wife and I now have three beautiful children, I'm um, mandated to say. And um, our third one was born three years ago. And for the baby naming at our house for our little girl, um, we had a ceremony on a Saturday, which is very difficult to find a rabbi on, on, a, on the Sabbath because we couldn't do it right. on a Sunday because it was a football season. Long story short, the uh, rabbi had a, um, in her, in her um, a format, had a, speaker's slot at the end of the ceremony, and my wife and I chose Michael Irvin to be the one to speak, and he gave such an eloquent speech about 
family and parenthood and society and how it brings everybody together and it's not as important these days for a lot of people when it should be and it was really moving so there's michael Irvin and then mariucci you know i've got photographs of him reading green eggs and ham to my other two sons you know i mean so we genuinely love each other and so when we do like stuff like the game night game day game night sort of charades or whatever the heck we're doing it's just us having fun and it's not manufactured it's just general well it's a fine line when you do things like that because you're like oh boy all right it's too goofy it's just gonna well that's what it's kind of viral my challenge is to keep it somewhat on the rails you know and and poke fun at them when they're screwing up or having fun at their expense and and moving it along (laughs) because if we didn't move it along. Those things, those segments could take 10 minutes, and then you are sitting there going, what the hell am I looking at? But, you know, it's, it's for some people, they, they do want just straight-up X's and O's, look at game film, want to know this, that, the other thing, and other people don't mind, as you point out, the sugar. So hopefully uh, we're, we're servicing the audience. All right, let's do uh, on the field. Uh, but I'm going to ask it this way. Everybody's assuming a high-scoring affair. Everybody's assuming a shootout. It's Brady. It's, it's all of that. Um, why would all the conventional wisdom about this game be wrong? Well, because I think all the conventional wisdom forgets that it is another team that's playing in the Atlanta Falcons. And, you know, for the same reason that the Falcons rarely got any um, national media credit or serious attention paid to it during regular seasons when they were performing well. And, you know, November and December would hit, and I'd invariably hear from fans on Twitter or calling into my show saying, why aren't you giving the Falcons credit? And the reason why is because they've never done it when it comes to January. And now January is hit, and they, they are hitting teams in the mouth. I mean, Seattle is a team that is a tough out, and they they made mincemeat of them. Yeah. And then, you know, um, your Packers came in, I don't need to tell you, with the most no, red-hot quarterback they, in the they, 14 they years that yeah. I've done this. I've never seen anybody as red-hot as Aaron Rodgers perform the way that he was performing. I mean, he, he personally dispatched uh, with the NFC East in the playoffs this year. He, he, he bounced both of them. Um, and a lot of folks thought those were the toughest teams in the NFC field for the playoffs. And Atlanta just destroyed the hell out of them. I mean, and the, you look at the metrics of the Falcons' offense in relation to what the Patriots have faced and who the Patriots have faced throughout the Brady-Belichick dynasty – and they've never seen an offense like this in the Super Bowl. And that includes the greatest show on turf, the first team right. that they beat to start this whole thing off. You look at the metrics of Matt Ryan's numbers, the yeah. offense's numbers as a whole, points per game, uh, Matt Ryan's passer rating, Matt Ryan's completion percentage, all of the numbers, the stats, okay? I'm just talking that specifically. They're better than the greatest show on turf. And that had... You know, Hall of Fame players galore, including, you know, Orlando Pace last year, Marshall two years before that. It could be Kurt Warner this year, Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt are up. I mean, so all that said, Patriots are going to have their hands full. And Ryan is now the most red-hot quarterback that's that's come into Mm -hmm. 
a game. And, and you can even look at in last, you know, Atlanta, if you even want to go back to 98, last time they were in the Super Bowl, they were kind of like an accidental team. Yeah, because the, the, the Minnesota the yeah, team, that, that, you know, the you remember the Vikings were remarkable. Yeah. And a, they got a field goal kicker who didn't miss one all year, missed one in the NFC Championship game, and Atlanta made it. So there's a, that's, I gave you the whole reason why conventional wisdom is different, could be different, but then there's Belichick and Brady who could wipe out well, everything just, I just you said. You just made the case. Scheme. Rich, you just made the, the case really, really quick before we end it, that if you just looked at these two teams as Team X and Team Y, and you didn't have their names, and you didn't know who their coaches were. Correct. Atlanta would be favored. They, Vegas would be favoring Atlanta just on, on, like, totality of the body of work this year. Right. Yeah, but uh, I mean, right? you, you you look at it and you, you think, okay, Atlanta should win this game based on those metrics, but there's a GOAT, the greatest of all time, a quarterback. There, I don't think there's any argument, and I understand there's Joe Montana and, Bray, and Bradshaw, et cetera, out there. Um, we'll never see this again. We will never see a quarterback make seven Super Bowls. We will never see a quarterback make six consecutive conference championship games. We will never see that. We're just not going to. I mean, look at the rest of them that are in Brady's class. I mean, and I'm not talking draft class, but just Roethlisberger, Rodgers, et cetera, et cetera, Breeze, um, Phillip Rivers, Eli Manning, um, who are some of the other, you know, major quarterback stars. Even Peyton Manning didn't make it nearly as many times. It's unbelievable. We will never see anything like it again. Even if Dak Prescott becomes one of the greats of Cowboy history, Will he ever make seven Super Bowls? No, it, it's, it's, it's and I'm going uh, to Here's my out question for you. Sure. We have the Lombardi Trophy. I believe Coach of the Year is named after Don Shula now. Correct? Uh, that might be the case. I don't know. What do you, what, don't you got a name? Doesn't Belichick? <laughs> it's funny gonna, you bring this up. You got to name something after the well, guy. Chuck, that, if you they, recall, the, the, my two producers who were on air with me were sitting across the desk from us in D.C., uh, one of them is a, a Patriot fan, and Michael Irvin has said on NFL Game Day Morning that they should rename the Lombardi Trophy the Belichick Trophy. And Brockman oh. thinks that's a great idea because he's a big New England fan. We might have brought this up the day you were on the air after you left, and I told him, I'm like, okay, if the Patriots make the Super Bowl, you are asking Belichick that question at a press conference. If he wow. would be what his thoughts would be if there was a movement to change the name of the Lombardi Trophy to the Belichick Trophy. And he is going to do that this week. We are going to get him to a press availability to ask that question of Belichick. And you know what that will guarantee? A beautiful thing. If, if he wins. guarantee that the trophy is never named after Belichick. If you make that, if you, if it, right? <laughs> oh, they'll never rename the trophy. No, no, no. They won't. No, but you've got to name something after him. And Belichick, of whatever you think about him, um, one of the one of the one of the ways to get him to give a great answer at a press conference or light him up is to talk about the history of the game. He is he is respectful of it and knowledgeable uh, about it, uh, and he is great telling stories because he's part of NFL history. You cannot tell the story of the NFL without him. This is his tenth Super Bowl. He was with three. You know, on on the sidelines as an uh, an assistant. 
So um, he will not be into that idea. It'll be great. It'll be a really awkward moment when that happens. A great awkward moment, only for the Rich Eisen show. Well, uh, thanks for only for, you know for getting me to only have two or three awkward moments with you today. It's all good, Chuck. Um, all right, Mr. Eisen, the good work. You got it. Rich Eisen of the NFL Network, and uh, you can catch him. I catch him a lot on DirecTV as well. Uh, Rich, enjoy Super Bowl week. Thanks, brother. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.